Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Blessed be your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sister Johanna, for that special. It was wonderful. That was just right on, right on the target tonight. So, Praise the Lord. What a thought that is, you know. You put yourself in the, in the soldier's shoes and... Hold the hammer and nail. What would be going through your mind at that time when your own boss, Pilate, said, this is the king of the Jews, and you're the one that's now got to put the hammer, put the nail and put it through his hand and put it through his feet. I'd, I'd lose stomach real quick. Knowing what I know now, I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd quit my job no matter the cost. I can't do this. But yet in all of that, that was for us. For down through the ages, for you and me, for the ones in the last stage, the ones in the age of what? For Paul, at the time he was Saul, he was studying under Gamaliel, he came to be a great persecutor of the followers of Jesus. It was for him that he died so that even Saul could become Paul and preach the gospel the way he did. It was, great men down through the ages, Martin and Luther and Columba and all these sages of old that have gone on that it was for them without that without the blood on the cross they were just men lost just like you and i amen amen let's take our bibles turn to the book of psalms psalms and i know you'll need a chapter chapter 122 chapter 122 brother ed had quoted a couple of these verses and it was wonderful. If, if you're listening, Brother Ed, it was a wonderful service on Wednesday night. And God bless you. Amen. Last time I spoke, we were a little bit long. We'll try not to be so long-winded tonight, but I, uh, it's a lot on my heart, but you know, I, it needs to be delivered in a way that you could receive it. And uh, I trust it's a blessing to you. And tonight we want to speak of our title. I'm moving on from Jehovah Nissi over to Jehovah Shalom. Which if you know what Shalom is, it's peace. Amen. Peace. In the Hebrew it would be a greeting, peace be unto you. Or, but all of the meanings of Shalom in common have one thing and that's peace. Jehovah our peace. And my subtitle would be Peace Through Unity. Well, let's take this in Psalms chapter 122 and verse 6. It says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. 
Amen. I want you just to notice and hear that before we go on to the next, the next uh, text I want to take. But it's not just David saying, pray for peace in myself. He says, for my companion. For my companion's sake. For my brethren's sake. For somebody else. In other words, he's uniting his heart together with somebody else and praying for peace for another. Amen. And say, you pray for peace for me. Amen. Now let's go over to Psalms chapter 133. It's just in my Bible. It's a page over. Psalms chapter 133. We'll read the entire uh, chapter. It's very, very long. But uh, we'll start in verse 1. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the upon the head that ran down upon upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we... Ask tonight, Lord, that we would not just read these scriptures in vain, but, Father, that you would come and give life to them unto us. Lord, we truly love you, Lord, and we know even the songs that we sing, we can relate to those. The unseen hand of God that leads us and guides us through. And Father, that you are on time in our trial, Lord, in our time of need, Lord. You never fail us. Lord, heavens and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away, Lord. And you said you'd never leave us or forsake us, even to the end of the world, Lord. And Father, that we would be in you and you and us, Lord. And Father, we just are so thankful for your promises of your word as they unfold to us, Lord, that we could look deeper and, and look deeper really into your love for us. And Lord, how could we not love you back? How could we not pour out our hearts? How could we not lay ourselves down at your feet and ask you to just have the full preeminence in our lives, oh God? And Lord, would you just take control of this service now and come and speak the word of life? Father, there's not anything I could say of myself that would help any individual, Lord. But Father, if you would come and speak one word. Lord, just, just break it open to us, Lord, and open it, enlighten our eyes of understanding, Father, that we could see what you're trying to get across to your children in this day. Lord God, we just commit it to you, and we love you so much, and ask that you come and back it up in power and in demonstration tonight. In Jesus Christ's name, I ask these things. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats if you like. I always enjoy a little change every once in a while, and... That's just the kind of person I am, but I, uh, it runs in my family a little bit. We kind of get ants in my, our pants, you could say. We want change, and something happens, and we just want to do it and things. And I, I was so happy to see, you know, Brother Ethan was down there at the, at the uh, screen, and he put a different screen up to start out with, and I like that one. Hell's messed up. Amen. They messed up. The devil done messed up. You say, why did he mess up? Well, because he chose the wrong side. Right at the beginning, he decided to come against God with all of his infinite wisdom to try and say, well, I, I, I want to be like God. And, oh, he done messed up. 
Amen. And now God always defeats the enemy. Amen. But as I said this morning, this evening, I want to speak on Jehovah Shalom and have peace through unity. And really, that's what it's speaking about in Psalms chapter 133. It's good for brethren to dwell together in unity. And really, as it goes down, and as we know in Scripture, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but as we know in Scripture, there is um, oil is a representation of the Holy Ghost. And that, as it says, that as a, when brethren dwell together in unity, it's like the precious ointment upon the head of Aaron that ran down to his beard, even down Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garments. That was an anointing that was put upon a priest. The high priest that was there, he was anointed for a job. He was anointed to do something. And he says, in order for man to be in unity, this is what it's like. It takes a certain anointing for men to dwell together in unity. Amen. And to be in that unity, it allows that anointing to flow freely. Amen. Amen. But but now I want to just take a scripture, or not a scripture, sorry, a quote from, from Brother Branham. In 1963, in the Uniting Time and Sign, he says, he says this, talking about, and this is what I thought was so phenomenal, Sister Johanna, you took that special tonight, and it starts out talking about Jesus in a manger. And put yourself in the eyes of the wise men. And here's my very first quotation for you, and it says, where is he? He's speaking about the birth of Jesus, and he says, Where is he that's born king of the Jews? We've seen a star in the east. Really, you want to put yourself in the, in the shoes of those wise men searching. They've seen something in the heaven that they know is true. Something they've looked for all of their lives. That they've, As an astronomer, the best thing that could ever happen to you is some phenomenal thing in the heavens that you could, dis- that you could discover and that you could see the meaning behind it. That's a, what they would call a career maker or a life maker. That a man, This man made this great discovery. But here's these three magi, they're wise men. They're, they're really, in those days, those were astronomers that they were looking up there. And they seen something come into alignment in such a way that they said... This is a special time. And something began to move on their hearts that they begin to look into this, the Old Testament scriptures and begin to realize this is the birth of the king of Jews because there would be a star that would rise out of Jacob and the, 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 there would, the, this would come to pass. So they begin to follow this and they begin to say, where is he that's born king of the Jews? Could you imagine going down? It kind of feels like today where you know that they were going down to, to Jerusalem, the place that ought to have recognized who Jesus was. The place that ought to have recognized the way the Messiah would come. Uh, behold, a virgin shall conceive. When a virgin conceives, it doesn't conceive a full-grown king. Yeah. You with me? When any woman conceives, it doesn't conceive a full-grown man. It conceives a baby. And his baby is just a little infant. It's something small. It cries. It, it pukes all over itself. It does all of these things. It can't control its own bowels. It's a baby. But they're the ones that should have recognized that this is the way he would come. But here comes three men into the, 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 the capital city, and he's, he's, they're, they're preaching and saying, where is he? Where is the king of the Jews? Just point us the direction. They're like, what are you talking about? What? No, no. No, no, he's not going to come that way. It's going to be different because we told our churches, we've got our own creed, we've got our own dogma that we've said according to our own Episcopalian way, it's going to happen this way. Unfortunately, it wasn't according to the Word of God. 
It was according to their interpretation of the Word of God. And in order to interpret the Word of God your own way, you have to leave out one Scripture in order to pick up another Scripture. And I'll just answer a simple question right here. That's why there's no room in Scripture for any man-made myth or legend. God's Word is yea and amen. So there's no room in there for a Jewish tradition of a legend of Lilith or whatever her name was. It's a lie. Whoever asked the question knows who I'm talking to. But now, now as we go down, and here comes the Magi's down, and they, they begin to ask, where is he? They know that that Messiah was lying there somewhere because God had given them a sign of the time that God and man were uniting together. He says, what a unity when God himself united himself in a human body. Hallelujah. This was no part Mary. And Jesus proved it again when he was 12 years old and they came and he was in the temple. And we know the story how that, uh, that, that, uh, that Joseph and Mary, they left him off and they went off thinking Jesus was with them. Amen. We don't ever want to be caught in that situation where we go off our own direction thinking Jesus is with us. Let's make sure Jesus is with us. In other words, let's approach something prayerfully and make sure we got an answer from God knowing that this is the right direction to go. So in other words, they set off in this direction thinking that Jesus was with them at 12 years old. And so they got, I don't know how long away, I can't remember what's talking about, day's journey was about that. They got out there a certain distance and they, they, they got away and they said, where's Jesus? I thought he was with you. No, I thought he was with you. Where is he? He's not with his friends. We don't know where he's well. We got to go back and find him. That'd be a terrifying thought. As a parent, myself being a parent to find my own son, whether he's six years old or 12 years old, and all of a sudden he's gone and I'm, I'm a day away? Man, you'd be like, am I blind? <laughs> you'd be questioning yourself pretty hard, but here they got out here and they're, they're, they're running back to search for Jesus again. And as they're searching for him, they finally find him in the temple, teaching in the temple. teaching and answering the questions of the Pharisees and answering the questions of the teachers. And he's just speaking to them and she comes down and she says, your father and I have sought you with tears. But Jesus immediately corrects the error because he was not his father. And that was not his mother. There on the cross at the end, he says, woman, behold your son. Woman, he doesn't say mother, he says woman. In other words, you were a borrowed womb that God borrowed, God overshadowed you, God put in you the seed and the egg, and God made it so that way God could step down in life in an embryo. I don't know why I'm walking down this road, but it's, it's an awesome road to walk down, so just stay with me. But, but to hear God in all of these things that was happening, it was God was uniting with man, going through everything that you and I went through. Going through right from what we don't even remember the day of our natural birth. God said, I've been there. You say, you don't know what I went through when I was born. I got these problems now because when I was born I had some medical problems. Jesus was there. He wasn't born in a nice hospital. He was born in a manger. He was wrapped in a a sweaty piece of cloth that was used to to cushion the yoke on on an oxen. That's a swaddling cloth. That it was just an old sweaty piece of cloth that was all they had. They said, well, I'll just use this. Joseph just grabbed that. A real man's man, you know. There's Mary, got her newborn baby, and she's like, just get me a nice, pretty blue blanket. And he's like, this will do. 
just grabs the old swaddling cloth, and it's all I got, Mary, sorry, and she wraps it up in that, lays him in a manger of hay. Forgive me for being a little bit more coarse, but I think it's just trying to set a scene for you a little bit. But now, and because that wasn't the child of Mary and Joseph. They were a caregiver to Jehovah as a baby. What a, what a phenomenal place to be in. That they had this kind of a role that they could, they could nurture a body that God was in. And I would have loved to be in that place because here they could watch a perfect child. One that was perfect. He didn't have, he didn't, he didn't come and he didn't lie. He didn't do all these things. He didn't have to be born again. He was born perfect the first time. He had the temptation to, because he was tempted in all manner like we are. Well, there was things that happened that I'm sure maybe he slipped and something broke. Or something he pushed out too hard and it broke. And his little brother, half-brother, or not even that, but James was there and, he, and the temptation was there to say, James did it. You with me? The temptation was there. He was tempted in all manner like we were, but he didn't go down that road. He overcame it even as a child. I believe that with all my heart because he wasn't a human like you and I are human. He was God in flesh. Same qualities of humanity, but not born by sexual desire. He was born by immaculate birth. Now, it was God uniting with man. In other words, it was God stepping into a human body, uniting himself in a human body. Says the principle, the greatest of all the unitings that was ever done was when God united with man and left his great strain of being God and stretched forth his tent and took in humanity and became one of them to redeem them. There was a purpose behind all of this. It was for redemption. So that he could redeem us because in order to be a redeemer according to the laws of God, you had to be a kinsman. You had to be a next of kin. You had to be that God just as God could not redeem back because he was perfect and just in all of his ways. He had to become a man and be tempted in all men like we are. And he had to overcome and he had to be crucified and he had to raise again. So that he could come and take the book from the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Hallelujah. He says, unity. That what? Unity that brought peace between God and man forever. What brought that peace? What brought a way of peace between God and man? It wasn't Moses. It wasn't that, that, that there was a lamb that, that, that was a physical four-legged lamb that came and was slain and then had to be slain again and the next year slain again and the next year slain again of the Passover every all the time. No, it wasn't that that brought the peace. That was an, a, a peace offering for your sin, but there was something greater than that now that now had brought peace forever between God and man if there was just an acceptance of what he did. Now, I want to just take a... Sidestep so that we can get into a bit more of where we're living at. Then I'm not just preaching something that you, for the most part, already know or are so well versed in, shall I say. But I want to just take now and go into peace what it is to have peace today, peace in an uncertain time. 
peace in a day where really peace doesn't exist. The United States or governments in general has defined peace as the one who carries the bigger stick. Define peace that they can somehow buy it with money or they can somehow win it with a gun in their hand or somehow win it with a knife behind their back or something like that. It's impossible to win peace that way. You with me? That is, a, that is such a, a temporal peace because all it is is it's an oppression. Because the opposition cannot rise up against. But I'm talking about a peace that passes all understanding. And there's an opposite to peace in your own mind. And that is that the devil likes to use the parts of our mind. and likes to plant thoughts in our minds as we were speaking last time and last Sunday morning. That I'll be honest, was surprised on me to preach Sunday morning. I wasn't expecting that, but we thank the Lord he had his way. Hey man, if I'd known, I probably wouldn't have preached as long Friday night. <laughs> but that's okay. We're thankful to the Lord that he was in it, you know. He's phenomenal. God is tremendous. Hey man. But really, he likes to use our minds to cause us to do something called worry. I know that's something that none of you have no idea about, right? Thank you. You have no idea, like, I, what, am, what am I worried about? I, but I'm amazed at how many young people are worried and how much, even young I've heard young people speaking, and not even so much in this group, I've heard young people speak about retirement. Like, what am I going to do about retirement and worry about it? And I'm like, you're like 16 years old. Like, I mean, that's 50 years away. <laughs> You know, and, and, and it's not necessarily your fault because you find out that if you go to the school, what are they teaching you? You better start an RRSP because you got to put money away for the future because you never know what's going to happen. You got to put money in there because, you know, when you got baby, you know, they told me because if you start putting $100 in a month down, I mean, you're going to be a millionaire when you're. I went, okay, great. Can you give me $100 a month so I can put $100 a month in there, please? Because I don't have $100 a month to put in there. <laughs> Thanks for the suggestion. <laughs> but that's what they're trying to teach. So it begins to put thoughts in an individual's mind where all of a sudden you're worried about something that's so far off in the future that, 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 that between here and there isn't even thought about or, or hasn't even come across your mind. So all of a sudden you begin to back up now so many years. You think, okay, well, how am I going to get to there? Well, now I need a career. Well, now you begin to worry about what kind of a career am I going to have? Is it going to have enough money? And what, what kind of a life am I going to live? And now what kind of a woman am I going to marry? Or what kind of a man am I going to marry? And is he going to let me work? Or am I going to have to sit at home? Or are we going to have children? Or are we not going to have children? Or, you know, all of these questions need to come into your mind that in all honesty is nothing but worry. Because they're not questions that you can answer before time. You've heard the age-old question. You've heard preachers, you know, mentioned over the pulpit. You've heard it in jokes at weddings and things about people that talk about, you know, they had all the answers to raising children when they were single. And it's easy to get that way. You got all the answers as a young person, or as, especially as a young man seemed to have this problem more than young sisters. But, you know, we got all the answers and we can fix everything. All right, I'm just preaching to young people tonight, all right? If, if somebody older is listening, that's, that's up to them. But I'm preaching to you, so this is for you. We, we, we can get that kind of an attitude that I, I got this all figured out, and you've come to find out you don't. Because you realize every child's different. And you realize that the way their children perhaps should have been raised are not even, wouldn't even work with your children. 
And you realize that maybe they did the right thing for their children, and maybe this person over here, and all of a sudden you're going, what do I do? But I thought I had it all figured out because I was so worried about it as a young person about the future. That I was missing what was happening right now. Amen. With me now. I remember the first year I went, the first year when I was married, we, we took the young people to the Cloverdale Bible Way camp and from Grand Prairie, and we took a bunch of them down there. And, and uh, my wife and I, and that was an interesting trip for us. We weren't young people. Here we were at a young people's convention or camp, and we're like, all right, here we are. But it, we're, we're there. I mean, we're younger than half the young people there. But we were married. So you go down there, and, 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 I, and I'm sitting there, and, and I get to give a testimony after the camp because they have an open mic, and they say, you know, if we didn't like say anything, and I'm a minister, so you just jump up, and, well, all right, I got I'll share with you something because no one else wants to. So, you know, it's amazing to me. God does amazing things in a camp service, and it's like, you want to testify? No. All right, what can you say? But we found that, that, that I thought, okay, well, sure. So I begin to testify to people. I said, listen, now's your time. I said, you might think that in the future when I get married, I'll have more time. Thank you, Brother Marshall. That's true. Ha! Good one. No, you won't. You think, well, when I got children, then I'll be desperate enough. I'll have to know. Ha! Right. No, the most time you have is when you're a young person and your biggest concern is getting up in the morning, going to school, or going to work. Right? Reality. All right? I'm just having some reality checks. I'm not trying to diminish anybody of anything. No, no. These are the concerns of your daily life. How many of you have a mortgage you have to pay? Go ahead, put your hand up. Thank you. Right? So none of you are concerned with that. Right? How many you got rent you have to pay? There's a couple more hands that are going to go up. Right? Exactly. Some of us got rent we got to pay. You got a little bit more worry than that. Right? So you got something in your life that you're going, now what am I spending all my time on? All right? Now, take another step. What, what are these things doing? What is this doing? Because what's happening is Satan has a desire to distract you. Because as I preach many a time, there will be young people in the rapture. But that means young people have to give themselves to God. And young people have to give their time to God. And young people have to give their energy to God. And young people have to surrender themselves to God. And young people have to be in unity with God. In order for this to happen, so we understand that I'm trying to make it simple for you so you can understand that when I wake up in the morning, what is the most important thing? Is it that I'm now concerned about the future? Is it that I'm concerned where I am right now? That I'm going to be a young person that's going to be in a rapture and I'm like right with God now? Or am I waiting for a future time to get right with God or to get deep in His Word? Or can I do it now? But Satan desires to cause worry and to cause jealousy even. He'll cause jealousy to rise up for the same purpose, to distract because he wants to give you a goal, a temporal goal to make you push and drive towards something that is, that, that's not even for you. Because if somebody else has it, but maybe God has something even better for you, 
But because Satan's made you jealous over something else, you're driving towards that. And that's where we find people have all these books out there. There's so many books out there of how I got wealthy and this for idiots and that for idiots and finances for this one and this one for that one. Why? And you can read all these self-help books and try and get all of this information to try and get something you don't have. Or you can pick up the Bible and you can pick up the message and you can say, God, what do you have for me? If I have to go read one of those books to help me through something, that's fine. I'm not totally against those books, but what I'm trying to understand you is don't live your life based on those because you'll find out yourself at a dead end because somebody in the end of that book had an opportunity that you may never get. I'm just preaching down home to you, and I hope it's okay. But that's, that's the tactics of the enemy. He says, but they're... All of this worry and jealousy is a misuse of your imagination because it's based on what ifs and if onlys. What if I had this and if only I had that? What if I was this way and if only I was that way? It's an imaginative thing in your mind that that has no basis of truth. But yet it's something that you desire to be. Now you say, is it all wrong? Nope. No, I can't say it is all wrong that, that, that you have a desire to be a certain way because, quite frankly, if you want to take a scripture, I have a desire to be like Christ. Amen. So that's a use of my imagination, but not a misuse of my imagination because I know this because it's according to the word of God, not according to something that I just picked up off the street or something that I imagined in my own mind or something that just came to me. Oh, you know, it'd be nice. I'd like to be like God. No, no, no. It's something that I picked up the word. And I begin to study the word of God, the only Bible that is the book of the year, every year. Amen? Amen. I I don't care what the New York Times book of the year is, or the Gazette whatever, or the CBC, or the, they got book competitions on CBC that they have where you can go through all these different readers and things and finally come down, this is the book everyone's got to read. And I'm like, really? This is the book everybody's got to read. If you ain't read this one, start reading it. If you don't understand it, I got a school for you. It's called the School of Neology. It's my favorite school. I've got a few degrees in it. You can't see them. But it's called get on your knees and pray and say, Lord. And every time you get a revelation from God, you can say, that's my degree. God gave me a revelation. That's my degree to say, this is what I know. God schooled me in this. Hey, that's for free. That's for you. There you go. Worry is a harassment of thoughts that seem urgent unto fatigue. Worrying for something is is thoughts that will harass you and will bother you until you're literally fatigued. You could drive yourself right into a state of depression because of worry. You could drive yourself into a state of exhaustion because of worry. Let's go to a, 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 the Bible, a chapter, in Luke chapter 10. That's what I'm trying to say.
Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. This is probably a familiar story to everybody. But uh, it's good to read it. It says, But now it come to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Now, I wanted to say something about this, this, this verse. It doesn't say that he planned to go there. He happened to go to a certain city. He happened that a, that a certain woman named Martha invited him into her house. My. Now, it wasn't a planned visit. She didn't know weeks in advance. Jesus is coming. Okay. So here she comes, and she, she invites him in. She realized this is the Lord Jesus. You know, I want to have him in my house. I've heard about the things that he's done. I've heard about all these things. Come on in. But now, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I want you to notice another wording in here. Which also. Okay? That means that Martha at some point had sat at Jesus' feet. It wasn't that Martha was always up doing something else and never listened to the Lord. It was updated to the day. It wasn't that she never prayed or she never read her Bible. Okay? But now it says, and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Remember what I said? This wasn't a planned trip. This was a happen to be this way. And now she's got all this pressure building up on her where she's like, I got guests in my home. I got to get everything right. I got to make sure it's clean. I got to get the food going on. I got to make sure the pots are clean. I got to make sure the floors are vacuumed. And I'm sure, you know, Jesus, can you just sit here so I can sweep over here? And then, okay, sit over here so I can sweep over there. We'll just make sure it's all clean. And my goodness, sister, like, would you mind? I got, look at me. I've got the broom. What are you doing? She's encumbered. And it says this, and Jesus answered and said unto her, or she said, bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Martha, and, or sorry, and Mary had chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Hallelujah. Amen. Mary had chosen something that was of eternal value. In other words, it could not be taken away from her. No man could take away what she'd heard at the feet of Jesus. No one could take that out of her. But he says, all the cleaning and all the cooking, all those things, if you cook something, it's just going to be eaten and it's gone. If you clean something, it's just going to get dirty and your house that you treasure so much might even be taken away one day. But what Mary's doing is not going to be taken away. And he uses these words. He says that you're careful and troubled. She was, she was so distracted. Careful is to worry and troubled. Means she was agitated. She was afflicted. She was even annoyed. In other words, there was, she was worried about her house. She was worried about getting things ready. She was worried about all these things. But in all of that, she was, it, was, it was causing her to be agitated. It was causing her to be afflicted. It was causing her to be annoyed. That's oftentimes where worry leads. It leads to that kind of agitation, fatigue, and annoyance, and, 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 and affliction. That's totally unneedful. But Mary did the one needful thing. 
Martha thought she was doing needful things. Okay? Martha wasn't doing this thinking, you know, I really should be sitting there at Jesus' feet, but I just got to. No, she thought, I have to do this. If I don't do this, it ain't going to get done, and then I'm going to be up late, and then this is going to happen, and then that's going to, no. She thought, this is needful. But he says, no, 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 Mary's doing the needful thing. And there is, you could take a reasonable approach to it, and you could reason it out and say, but I need to clean the house. I need to feed my guests. I need to ensure my guests are comfortable. If they're going to stay the night, I need to ensure that the, the guest bed is taken care of. Right? These are normal things of life. One day, sisters, when you become the, 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 the hostess of your own home, you'll realize these things, that they weigh on you. If you come over to my house, you'll find out that my wife, she's always about this kind of business because she's interested in, are the guests comfy? Are the guests fed? Do you need something to drink? Do you want something to eat? Can I get anything for you? Do you want to stay the night? I'll get the guest bed ready downstairs. Whatever you need, you're a guest in my home. We'll treat you right. Amen. I know this is a bit of a lost cause today because today we only have, you have kind of like friends over and it's like, hey, help yourself in the fridge. If you need anything, uh, skip the dishes. The number is 597. No, that, that's not hospitality. Martha's displaying something called hospitality, which is actually a Christian value where she's cleaning, she's doing things that she thought was needful, but there was something she didn't always have with her, and that was the Lord Jesus that was right there in her own home. And he says, Mary's got the right idea here. She doesn't need to be about these things. He says, but Mary is, is realizing that she needs to hear the word for her day. Amen. She was missing in all of these things that she could reasonably say were needful. She was missing what God was doing in that moment because her imagination was running wild with worry that Jesus was concerned with any one of these other things. She wasn't doing it for herself. She was doing it for Jesus. Right? But she thought, well, if I just do this for Jesus, but she thought Jesus was concerned about that, but Jesus was there for a purpose, to feed their souls. And he says, and she thought, you need to make sure, I, maybe we think, I need to make sure I don't offend anyone. I need to make sure that all these dirty mistakes, I've kept them hidden and swept away, and I need to make sure I read my Bible in case someone asks me what I've been reading. I need to make sure that my clothes are just right so no one's laughing at me, no one will make fun of me in empty way. I need to make sure I won't stick out in any way. I need to make sure I know how to speak just right. I need to make sure I know how to answer the questions. I need to make sure. As though Jesus cared. Because he cares about one thing, and that's to have a relationship with you. That's that you'd come and sit at his feet. That, that, that his words would be able to change you. Not that you could change yourself, but that you could come so he could change you. Now listen, there is a part for all these things, but not to be consumed with them so you miss what God is speaking to you. It's even scriptural. If you took Jeremiah 29 and 7, it says to seek the peace of the city. If you took Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and 18, it says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in all sight. If it is possible, as much as lies with you, live peaceably with all men. That's not talking about the peace of God. That's talking about a natural peace. In other words, do what you can to make sure that you're living peaceably. You're not offending people. You're doing the best you can. All right? You're being an upright person. You're talking right. You know, you're, you're having a good conversation. 
Those things are good and there's a, there's, a, there's a purpose to those things. But he says, that's not the point. The point is the word for your day. Amen. The point is that you feed on who Jesus is to you today. Amen. Let's go to Psalms chapter 55. How are we doing for time? Amen. Psalms chapter 55. Verse 1 says, Give ear to my prayer, O God. Hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise because of the voice of my enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. There's a horrible picture he's painting the poetry of the Psalms where he begins to describe something where there's a certain feeling and I believe this he's not exactly talking about what's happening and maybe the Philistines are out there and these ones are out there but no he's talking about something that's going on on the inside horror has a horror has overwhelmed me He's talking about when you come to that place of worry where fearfulness and trembling are come upon you where you don't know what tomorrow holds you don't know what's going to happen in the future. You don't know how you're going to get through this one. You don't know how it's all going to work out in the end. Oh my. And horror hath overwhelmed you. That's a horrible feeling. Literally, it's horror. Hath overwhelmed you. It's a horrible feeling. But now he begins to go on and he says this. He says, and I said, oh, that I had the wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. Brother Benham would preach the, the message, it's the third or fourth last message in his ministry, on the wings of a snow white dove. In other words, this is the encroachment of the world to, to try and push and overwhelm and oppress with fearfulness and with horror and with all of these things that they would, they, they would even pass laws where parents can go away for teaching their children right and all kinds of horrible things. But it's the cause of fearfulness. It's the cause by fear and by trembling in order to push you in a certain direction. And they want to make you look up all these sorts of, oh, I need this kind of schooling and I need this kind of career and I need to consume this much of my life and I need to do all these sorts of things so that way I can be successful in the future. And they can push you in that way till it's overwhelming. And you don't know how you're going to get there. You don't know how you're going to push through to those things. But he says, oh, that I would have the wings of a dove that I could fly away. It's not that I could run from my problems. But rather that I could have something in me that would give me the power to rise above my problems. Hallelujah. Because we know that we live in these world, this world. We certainly cannot avoid this world. We certainly cannot just go about it and say, well, we just won't work anymore. We won't go to school anymore. We won't do these things anymore. No, you'd end up a bum on the street. That would be the end of it. But you have to go through these things in order to even have a place to live and even to, to have a place, something to eat and even to do all these things. You have to go through these certain hoops. But there is a peace. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. 
Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. It says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Now, we all know what that means, right? Worry for nothing. Worry not for tomorrow. He holds tomorrow. He is an eternal God. In other words, there's no beginning and there's no ending. He knows yesterday. He knows before you were born. He knows where you came from. He knows all of these things. And he knows the future. So don't worry about it. Worry for nothing but in everything. In other words, there is a way that you can overcome that worry. In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In other words, it's not just walk about by the seat of your pants going, well, whatever happens, happens. Whatever happens tomorrow, who really cares? Whatever, man, I'm careful for nothing. No, it's greater than that. He says, but by prayer, because we have a desire. We want to be pleasing to God. We want our lives to be led of the Lord. And we want to portray a real Christian walk. So how do we do that? We get on our knees. And we begin to pray to pray out to God and begin to ask him, Lord, what would you have me do tomorrow? And more than that, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known. Thank you for how you led me today. Thank you for what you're doing in my life today. Thank you for what you already know tomorrow. Thank you that you hold tomorrow. Give him thanks in everything. Let your prayer and supplication be made known. Amen. And the next verse, Brother Ethan, verse 7 says, And within the peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The peace of God. In other words, all the things that you could reasonably say, I have to worry about my job. I have to worry about my mortgage. I have to pay my credit card bills. I have to pay for my utility bills. I have to pay for this. I have a wife. I have children. I have, in your case, room and board. Uh, I got to go to school tomorrow. I have to study for that exam. You have to. And reasonably, you could say, I reasonably should be worried. Especially if you were like me in school where you're like, I'm at like like my grade average with mathematics is like 50%. And if I don't pass this test, I fail it all. And I got to retake it all. So reasonably, I should have been worried. But, But I asked the question, I'll just be honest with you. My dad told me, he said, tomorrow you got this big math test, and if you fail it, you're going to fail. But, but I know you really want to go to your brother's house and play games and things, being that it's, what was it, Thursday night or something like that. So he said, you, you either have a choice. If you, there was a, some penalty, he said, if you want to go to there, but you fail, there was a penalty involved. I can't even remember what it was. But he says, but it, or I've arranged for you to have tutorship with a college mathematician. Uh, Sister Sukfir, actually, she's, she's an incredibly smart with mathematics. She teaches mathematics at the GPRC. And you can personally be tutored by her, and she will make sure you pass that exam. Whether you pass or fail, be what it be. And I was so not worried. I said, I'm going to play games. <laughs> Forget this. I, I don't, don't want to worry about tomorrow. See, that's the wrong attitude, okay? That's what I'm talking about, careful for nothing, come what may, come what may. No, he says, but by prayer and supplication, it would have been even a better approach to be honest. It would have been for me to get on my knees and say, Lord, I don't know if I could pass this, but would you help me? And in order for you to help me, now I'm going to go to the tutor, and I'm going to learn the things I should have learned like a month ago. 
Confess your faults one to another. All right? I got asked the other day by a brother. I was, I was confessing some of my, my school study habits, which was non-existent really. But, and, and he says, I wonder what child of yours is going to give you back what you sowed. I'm like, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Hopefully none of them. <laughs> but now... He says, but there's, there's, there's a peace of God. Let's get back into the subject here. The peace of God, let's back up, brother. Peace of God that passes all understanding. That will keep. It'll, it'll give you a peace. It'll keep your hearts. It'll keep your heart from failing. From not having the courage to go on. From not having the courage to face the day. It'll keep you from anxiety. It'll keep you from depression. It'll also keep your minds It'll keep you from the worry. It'll keep you from the jealousy. It'll keep you from all of those things that Satan desires to push at you, pull at you. How do I get this peace? Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and the next verse too. Verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue which is strength in them, if there be some actual substance to them, if there be any praise, think on these things. In other words, don't let your mind be wandering about in all of this trash of the day. And we, we, we get so caught up in it. I, I spent a little bit of time last time on our devices, last, last service I ministered here. But we know that, that we can get so caught up in the trash that's on here, get so caught up in the sports, get so caught up in the social media, get so caught up in all these other things, that it really it's just, it, there's no virtue to them. There's no strength to them. Because nowadays you've got social media platforms that you could just post whatever thought comes to your mind. And just tweet. Or Instagram or... Whatever is out there, I don't even, all these different things. I have zero social media platforms unless you consider an email address a social media platform or WhatsApp, which some people do. But we find that, what are you feeding on then? Are those things of a good report? Are they honest? Nowadays, reading the news can be hard to be said as honest. Because it's tilted in, according to their slant and their direction. What sort of things are just, pure? Oh, that's a hard one to find nowadays. Pure. Something that's lovely. That takes out about 96% of games. I mean computer games or video games. What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are of a good report? You know that it's coming back, it's a good report. It's not, oh, they're sending back all kinds of garbage, filling your mind with, with jealousy, filling your mind with, with hatred, filling your mind with malice, filling your mind with bitterness. That's not a good report. He says, if there be any of that, think on these things. If there be any strength, if there be any praise, and then think, fill your mind with those things. You say, I want a peace of God, then quit filling your mind with all kinds of fear. We know we have to know the, 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 the rules that surround COVID. We have to know that much, right? We have to be aware of what's going on. You have to be aware that when you come in here and you sit on these pews, you have to wear a mask, okay? You got to be aware of that. Otherwise, none of you would be wearing a mask. You'll be going, what's going on? Why, why, why are you telling me to do this? I don't understand. 
You have to be aware to a certain level. But it doesn't mean we need to go be reading every single article. And oh, they said, this person died. And oh, I said, that person, oh, oh my. This is, oh. What are you filling your mind with? Is it of a good report? Say, but, but Brother Andrew, we need to know how bad it is. No, I got something better for you. It's called the Word of God. This is on the healer of all your sicknesses and diseases. It says, ask whatever you will in my name and I'll give it to you. He'll even ask the Father on our behalf. Whew. What, a, what a rapport to have. Oh my, I better move on. I'm spending way too much time on these things. I'm already at almost an hour. Is it okay? Okay. I know some, some of you might want to say, well, Brother Andrew, why don't you preach the deep things of God? Preach those wonderful, great, deep mysteries. Go into Revelations and just start breaking it down. I want to hear powerful things. Yeah, that's wonderful. Does it help you today? Does it? Pray to God. Say, Lord, you reveal to me those things as I feed on the message, as I read the word. Feed my heart. I prayed before the service. I said, Lord, if I'm just preaching to myself tonight, I preach what you laid on my heart. If it's just for me, that's good enough. So if it's for one person here, it's for me. All right. In the wings of a snow white dove, Brother Benham says, John being a prophet, knowing that the word had to be fulfilled, speaking of John the Baptist, he suffered that he be baptized that he, that, and baptized him. We know how it happened, how Jesus came down to John, right? And he came down in the water and he says, Lord, I have need to be baptized. Thee. Oh my, the word of the Lord came to the prophet and the prophet recognized the word of the Lord and recognized that this was the word for his day and he recognized that I have need of this word. But the word came, said we must fulfill the word. It's a lot in there in one sentence, but now... He says, when he raised him up, he baptized him, and he suffered that it would be so, and he baptized him. And when he was raised out of the water, there come a message from heaven on the wings of a dove. This is my beloved son. He sent the redemption message of grace on the wings of a dove. Think about what we read in Psalms. If I just had the wings of a dove. He said, I already sent it to you. I sent to you a redemption message of grace that come flying down from heaven. What was it? Peace on earth. Goodwill toward man. The sacrifice was ready right then. The sacrifice at that moment, the Lamb of God was now washed. It was ready to be sacrificed. Then raised, fed. His ministry was ready. A word that would redeem the whole world. It's over. Let's just go to a couple more scriptures here. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to leave you in a good place. So. Take care for nothing. Let me just drop this in here real quickly. After the new birth, the fear of the world has no part. Because the fear of the world is based on doubt in the word of God. The fear of death and the fear of all of the, 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 the financial ruin or the fear of, of sickness, it's all gone with the new birth. When you receive the spirit of God into you, you recognize 
that all of those things become subject to the word of God that is already in you. So it does away with all that fear. And now the only thing the devil has is to try and push upon you in your mind thoughts of worry, thoughts of jealousy, thoughts of... And he tries to make you think because you worried about something that, oh, you're fearful. No, that's a difference there. The fear that controls this world has driven it now to insanity. Anyways, I don't even have time to get into that. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Amen. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. That's a unity. There's got to be a unity there. Forbear one another. Bear one another up in love. Next verse, brother. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Huh. Endeavoring. It's not just a, well, I hope it's, it's going to be okay. No, it's something that you need to work at. Endeavoring. Your, your energy is being spent on keeping a unity with the Spirit of God. With the Spirit of God in a bond which is a binding uh, action, a bond of peace. So what is it? It's a bond. It's, it's, it's something that's a, it's binding over you that now he's saying, you are at peace. Amen. The scripture would say later on in Ephesians, you're sealed, or earlier in Ephesians, sorry, you're sealed until the day of your redemption by the Holy Spirit. It's a sealing or it's a bond of peace. He says, endeavor to keep unity with that spirit. Endeavor to keep the unity of that spirit. So in other words, you have to keep your mind focused on something pure, on something holy, on something that's of virtue, of something that's of strength. You need to keep it so that way there's a unity with the spirit that's within you so that you're able to live in that bond of peace. Verse 4. says, for there is one body, one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. Hallelujah. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Oh my. Not God the Father, God of Jesus, God the Holy Spirit. No, one God and Father of all is one God over all. And he is above all and through all and in all. That's what we can say. We can preach that Jesus, even there at his birth, it was God. It was God as a baby. It was God as a toddler. It was God as all that because God was able to be. Because God is a spirit. No man has seen God at any time. But yet he was declared by the only begotten of the Father. In other words, you, you have never actually seen me. Did you know it? You've never seen me. No, because I'm not this flesh. This is how I make contact with you. This is how I declare who I am unto you. But who I am is my spirit and my soul. That's what controls this body. Without them, this body's nothing but a heap of dust. So this is just a, 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 a contact between me to you. But yeah, I can't see you. You can't see me. It's exactly why we were created in his image, where now no man has seen the Father at any time, but the Son, the Scripture says, has declared it. The only begotten of the Father has declared him unto us. In other words, that was the, the, the bridge, the gap in between, the breach in between mankind and God, that now he could declare himself. Yeah. One God and Father that is above all and through all and in all, Verse 7 says, but unto every one of us is given, um, given grace 
according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Oh my. He's saying, listen, in all of that, we say there's just one, and it sounds so harsh, and it sounds so, you got to get into the one spirit, you got to get into the one body, you got to get into the one, but to everyone is given grace. According to the measure of the gift that God gave you. Hallelujah. Satan desires to plague the mind of the believer with worry. To cause you to reasonably doubt. I want you to catch this right here. We're closing. To cause you to reasonably doubt the word of God. Satan is not going to come to you and tell you the word is wrong. He's smarter than that. He knows and he studies our tactics and we study his tactics. Because we study the word of God, it lays out his tactics. It's real, real simple that way. But we find that he's not going to come in that way, but rather he's going to come exactly as he did to Eve. Where he's going to cause you to reasonably doubt. In other words, say, but in your situation... Just like Eve where he says, yeah, you know, you'll be, oh, you shouldn't eat that tree, but you'll be like God's and that was all true. But we come down, he says, but thou shalt not surely die. But she did. It was just a little bit in there where he just put a little extra in there. Just to reason with her. The problem was she began to read. But the Bible says many people have their intellects. Others have faith by their soul. Now, the intellect up here will reason with the word of God. It's not reasonable. Because the scripture says all things are possible to them that believe. But now when it comes down to you, but you don't understand. My eyesight is terrible. There's no way I could go beyond this. But God is calling out to you tonight saying, but stop with the reasoning and have faith in God and he can heal you. You can say, but you don't understand where my family come from. You don't understand my sickness. You don't understand my problem. You don't understand why I can't give it all up to God. God is calling to you tonight saying, forget the reasoning. Forget the imagination to say, well, science hasn't figured it out. Avoid science. Come over to God. I'm getting that straight out of the scripture. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 6 where if you write down the end, he says, don't worry about science. Or along those lines. Avoid those kinds of questions, those kinds of things. Why? Go stay right with the word of God, that what he says. Oh, my. You know, I took some notes from the last Friday night, and I dropped in the middle here, and I haven't even got to it yet. This would be good to add right in the middle here. Didn't get to it then, and I hadn't got to it Sunday morning, and I haven't got to it now. So you got five more minutes? Okay. One, two, three. That's 15 minutes. All right. I'm kidding. We'll read one more scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of the latest scientific discovery. No, that's not what it says. It says, to Christ. Bring it all, every thought, to the obedience of Christ. You may have thought that it is reasonable to seek wealth here. You may have thought it's reasonable to worry for your future here. You may hear someone encourage that kind of an idea 
As I talked about in school, they teach you those things. Or you have something thrust upon you to read or to watch. Oh, you got to see this idea. This latest book that was out there on how to get wealthy and how to get rich. How to do all, you got to see this. you got to see this video. This guy's got this down pat. Something thrust in front of you. And it seems reasonable. Amen? You can sit there in your mind. You can watch all these things. You go, yeah, I can of see where he's coming from. Yeah, I can, I can see where he's going with that. And yeah. You know? It seems reasonable. Because you need to work to eat, to have shelter, to have clothes. If you ever want family or transportation, you have to make money. You have to go about these things. You have to think about the future. But it is when the desire of the lusts of your flesh overtake the desire for the fulfillment of the word of God that it becomes an evil thing in the sight of the Lord. I wanted to get to this part. When you get that way that finally the desires of your flesh has become greater, the lust to fulfill, this is what I want, becomes greater than what's down where God's put a little something on the inside to say, what about me? What about the word? What about something calling out? And keep calling out to the deep, saying, I need a bit. I'm not from this world. I'm from a different place. I'm from a, a heavenly kingdom. And I need to go back to that heavenly kingdom. And you begin to suppress that for something else. Then it becomes evil. The scripture says in Romans chapter 8 that the carnal mind is enmity with God. In other words, it's, it's hated by, by its hatred, by implication. In enmity, you might, even, you might not even ever walk in that way, but just the very idea that you think that this is what I want, that this is what I'm consuming my thoughts and my time with. God says, I hate that. Amen. My, the carnal mind is enmity with God. It says, put ye, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 13, 14, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't make provision for it. Don't spend your time on it. Spend time in the word of God. Spend time on your knees with God and let him give you the time and give you the direction and give you the leadership you need in the rest of the areas of your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I started the last time with a testimony from Sister Hannah. As she began to tell us that the Lord gave her a job. And it was better than what she thought she could get. Isn't that wonderful? Why? What happened? How'd that all start? Started with maybe just a little text. Was it a text or was it a phone call? A little text saying, will you pray for me? I'm looking for a job. With all prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your request known before God. So that the peace of God could cover you. That passes all understanding. Let's stand to our feet. I said I would close. I didn't even get to Judges chapter 6 or anything like that. He says, what kind of a people ought we to be if the very Holy Spirit was, has you so embodied or empowered that you don't use your own thoughts? You don't use your own mind. You don't use your own opinions. But the Holy Spirit has you so built until your thoughts and your being is God's Spirit expressing itself through you. Whew. I love to be that way. I believe we endeavor to be that way. So that it's not my thoughts and my opinions. This is what I want to preach. This is what I want to do. But no, Lord, let your spirit be manifest itself and, and, and fulfill itself and express itself through me so that I could be an express image of Jesus Christ. Oh, my. 
Don't you love the Lord? I wonder if we could just sing that song. We, On the wings of a snow white dove, God sends his pure sweet love. Go ahead, Brother Mark. Noah had drifted on the floods many days. He searched for land in various ways. Troubles he had so but not from a 